0: We are joined today by the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Mike Liu from Shima Capital, who's gonna give us quite a, a fun perspective on gaming, game fi, metaverse, stuff to avoid, uh, red flags, what VCs and founders should be thinking about, perspectives to care about.
1: <laughs> All hundred of us. You've got friends here. <laughs> you know, <laughs>
0: Joined today by the lovely Cindy. You guys are both in New York right now, is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. We're both in New York. We're both in Web3BC. So I'm very excited to see hear uh, insights from, uh, from Mike today.
2: Do you think we could begin today with a little bit kind of a high level? Who is Mike? I went to undergrad in Boston, Tufts University. I studied neuroscience, did the software engineering thing for like five or six years. I was mostly a front-end engineer. Um, I worked at a, some big companies like Spotify and Amazon. I wanted to give the like entrepreneurship and self-business thing a try. So I started this e-commerce business in early 2020 uh, with my business partner and we've made a digital art agency where we made custom portraits for people. We scaled it up to about 60 artists. And full time, like customer service staff being well positioned when NFTs, you know, went off in 2021. And so that's kind of how I got involved in the space uh, in 2021. And then that's kind of what led me to crypto investing at Shima.
0: You were positioning yourself to really see
2: NFTs
0: unfolding before your eyes. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping you could kind of give us a perspective on, you know, what does it mean to be. A a digital art e-commerce platform in in 2022 you know what what are some different things that you notice maybe trends you noticed with with artists and content creators from the digital art perspective that now translate
2: quite effortlessly into nfts i think there's actually like a really large community of talented artists that The world didn't really even know about before NFTs. I see a lot of them now on TikTok. Basically, nowadays, like any 15 or 16 year old with an iPad can create like a pretty amazing piece of digital art. Like the tools are really sophisticated nowadays. For the rest of us, like, you know, especially uh, for software engineers or for people who work very like techie jobs, um, we're kind of craving like creativity and culture and and new forms of media. I think digital art and that like uh, desk job life just kind of coincided well. So there's like a lot of demand and you'll see like these Instagram pages um, or TikTok pages with hundreds of thousands or maybe even millions of followers of people just watching other artists just draw every day. So it's a really interesting world. I
1: feel like NFTs really just open up the world to appreciate art a lot more. And it's just another way of like uh, showing showcasing that to the world.
0: It just reminded me too how meditative watching someone create can be. I love if you could take us through a little bit about your transition from the e-commerce side into nfts kind of into DJ djan land and then really now with being more focused on kind of the professionalism um, of
2: you know web 2 structure in web 3 um from the vc so like i mentioned we had the all the infrastructure set up to make uh digital art when nfts first started popping off so i started out as an individual collector. So um, when Nifty Gateway got really popular, I was logging in there every day and just buying whatever dropped and loved collecting the art. I also loved, you know, guessing which one was going to become popular next. I loved, you know, just the whole like excitement around it. We started up essentially like a side business, helping uh, artists and creators to make NFTs, Um, We actually would like reach out to them cold on like Twitter, or we would do inbound on um, Cameo, basically reach like hard to reach celebrities and ask them if they wanted to do an NFT drop with us. That was actually pretty successful. But we learned really early that just because somebody is a really big name in Web 2 doesn't mean that anybody cares what they do in Web 3. After we learned that, um, we just you know, tried not to be so rigid with our thinking of like, has to be a celebrity, has to be famous. And uh, yeah, just got more like involved in like trading NFTs. I I was running this Discord that was called NFT and Friends. And it was just a lot of friends from the e-commerce world and also friends that we had met along the way of like Nifty Gateway. And we all just kind of speculated on NFTs together. And it was a great time. But uh, it was very degen. Yeah.
1: I remember those. I remember the $1 Beeple drops on Nifty Gateway. I would like, I was camping in a cave and I set an alarm for 6 a.m. Because I was like, I need to get on and try to get in on that. But yeah, I mean, I didn't get it. But I remember those days. Those were those are fun.
2: <laughs> I bought three Beeples at like $8,000 and I oh, maxed wow. out a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was kind of freaking out, but I was also like, This is such this is so great. Are you still Uh, holding? (laughs) No. That was what I was about (laughs) to (laughs) Actually the the person I sold it to is very interesting too. I sold it to this art procurer that was procuring beeples for like a rich client, a wealthy client, because that we had to negotiate like me shipping the physicals to him. And I guess they have a warehouse in Miami. He has like 25 people's in there.
1: Wait, aren't we like physicals or the NFTs? Yeah, because they stored all the
2: physicals. They had the infinite objects for the peoples. And they they were very insistent that I had to send like physicals as well.
0: You did that kind of Cindy Cave days trying to get, you know, early drops, NFT trading, to leading to where you are now. Um, can you take us through that transition to Shima Capital?
2: After a while, I what I noticed was like, as a speculator, right? Like a lot of what we did, it's actually pretty similar to due diligence. You know, we would go into a project, we would check the Twitter and Discord, we would look into the founders. I just kind of started craving this like transparency, accountability. So, I felt like if uh, if I wanted to get involved with Web3 long term, then this was kind of a good community to start with. And it's a place where you can build your reputation and actually get to know people as opposed to the NFT speculator world, which was very lucrative and very like exciting. But it felt like the the players in it were changing like every week and every month. It's like a new set of people here to run a new project. And it didn't feel like there was... Like a long-term future to it
0: in the VC world, where yeah, your reputation matters. Um, you know, you're you have to have integrity if you want to survive and have that longevity in the space. And and I think that's a very healthy perspective and a, a healthy part of kind of the VC world that we want to bring in to crypto, you know, and blockchain as a whole. Thinking a little bit about Shima, what leg or what branch of Shima are you? specifically focus on, Mike?
2: Yeah, so Shima is an early-stage generalist fund, which means that we invest into pretty much all categories, and we have basically a person that specializes in each category. My specialty is on the gaming and metaverse side. I've been a lifelong gamer. Um, I still play games up till now, and yeah, it's been really exciting to see, like, kind of the trends and the evolution of the gaming space in crypto, it evolves very quickly. And I think gaming as a whole is is evolving as well. So it's really cool to be involved in that on an investment perspective.
1: I love that. I mean, I'm a huge gamer too. Um, so I really want to ask what you see um, as the largest trends that are coming out of Web3 gaming? Do you see it coming from Web3 native companies? Or do you think like Web2s are going to adopt crypto much faster than Web3 is able to build new games?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So I think throughout the process, it's been pretty much like Web2 game studios building in Web3. There were like projects that were, I guess, their first game was a Web3 game, but a lot of those didn't really like, make a big splash. So, in terms of like where it's going, I think like we're kind of letting go of the notion that we should be allowed to all make money from a game. I mean, the idea of playing to earn or like earning through playing, we wanted to believe in it to push more excitement, but. Um, yeah, it wasn't sustainable. So now we're just trending towards like really interesting games with like more toned down tokenomics, which don't dominate the game. Um, And instead they're kind of like integrated into it. There's some like actually some really big Web2 games right now that are integrating in tokenomics. Like for example, Roblox has NFTs. Um, GTA is also adding NFTs. I think any like game with a in-game economy and like a lot of moving parts makes sense to live on the blockchain because it provides a lot of you know functionality that that would be hard to add otherwise.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. Right now, of of all play to earn anything X to earn right now was too focused on the earn side and less on the enjoyment. And so, I would love to hear your perspective on you know what makes a good game and if you could project that a little bit into Web three. You know, what do Web three brands or or companies need to think about to make a a good game
2: it's a really interesting topic there's all sorts of different opinions on what makes a good game i think that ultimately what makes a good game is a sense of progression there's a start there's an end there's a middle state Um, there's like tasks that you solve Ideally, the tasks should be engaging. I mean, you see like this huge, huge uh, lift in hyper casual right now, which is like mobile games. You know, I got really addicted to team fight tactics recently. Good games are ones that have a really engaging gameplay loop, but allow for like a deep sense of accomplishment. Everyone's doing the same thing. They still feel like, you know, a, a clear sense of progression within the game.
1: Yeah, I'm looking it up now, Teamfight Tactics. It looks a little like Clash of Clans, I guess, and I was really into that. On my way, on my flight here from like Taiwan to New York, which was 14 hours, I just played Zombies versus Plants for like 10 hours. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like it's just going back to the basics of like, you know, what makes a fun game. If I could play that like for 10 hours straight, then yeah, that's, that's fun.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, gaming grows more and more every year, and I think it- a very large percentage of that growth is coming from game like really casual games. And I think that's great. Yeah. It's a good way for people to unwind and relax. And yeah. Do you think you could give us a perspective
0: Mike on where does the metaverse come into all of this, right? The metaverse has been such a buzzword in 2021 and early 2022, but a lot of web three now users are like listen do we need a metaverse everyone wants a metaverse you know this mythical creature metaverse do we want it to be interoperable do we want it to be you know cross platform so games can you know bring assets into other games what do you think is kind of the future of the metaverse
2: play with gaming i was actually uh talking to our gp about this recently he's been investing since you know 2015 i think and And he was mentioning that in some ways it was feeling a little bit like VR. You know, VR had this huge surge of interest. And then in the end, it turned out that, you know, most of the use cases of it weren't ready yet. And we're seeing kind of a similar thing for that with the metaverse as well. The definition of the metaverse that I like the best um, it's just a place where you can persistently own things. I've had someone make the case that Discord could be a metaverse, you know, anywhere where you can change your profile picture and buy it and you can interact with people persistently as a metaverse. To answer, like, kind of the broader question of, like, is everyone going to be transacting in like Decentraland or Sandbox? I think that is probably too early or not compelling enough for people to be in a immersive metaverse where they only do that one thing and nothing else it's more likely that they'll have lots of little environments that they pop into the reason those applications have so much like watch time is because it's not a huge break for us to go into those things average user has so many distractions that just to have something occupy their attention for short periods of time instead of like an extended, like three hour socializing session. Most people can't really create the time in their day for that type of interaction.
0: You know, you're probably getting pitched left and right um, people are coming to you all the time give us money <laughs> um, you know let's say I'm a gaming company and I'm coming to you Mike um, you know what are when you're listening to me pitch you know what are some things you you like to hear and maybe some stuff that like
2: we really can get rid of so I don't really blame founders for this because I feel like they don't see as many pitches in decks as we do you can't expect them to know that you saw you know 20 other projects which had the same slide. And this is why the music industry is broken. It doesn't work from a storytelling perspective because it should be obvious why you're the one fixing it or it should be obvious what you're fixing and, and how you're fixing it. And I think some people spend too much time focusing on identifying those problems. Yeah, it's like a lot of people want to fix those problems, but you need to have the right you know solution to it. And then I think other than that, just being patient. I think sometimes people get a little bit impatient with, or they get very aggressive with, with trying to get your attention or trying to get something from you. And I think the best way to, is just to be, you know, persistent, but polite, because at the end of the day, you know, we're all humans and we don't want to be like aggressively pitched to any more than anyone else
1: and it's one of the things that I've I, I really enjoyed most about working web 3 it we are we are all humans and a lot of times we're we're still making friends with the people that we work with and it's been really great on the flip side I do want to ask though what are green flags that you see uh, you mentioned you uh, you you, st- you start seeing a lot of repetitive things um, are there any ideas that are fresh or like exciting that you want to start seeing from founders
2: we talked to this team today that was building competitive uh, derivatives trading. So like uh, different communities could compete against each other on derivatives trading. That was very fresh. Um, this other project that I talked to recently, um, they're building like a uh, collaborative music, a surfacing tool for different layers of a music collaboration process to work with each other. I thought that was quite good as well. I guess taking these concepts and going a little bit deeper with them, really like thinking, like kind of fitting the different puzzle pieces together and just avoiding like, you know, we fractionalized it or we made it into a DAO or uh, we built a platform so that you can trade it. Uh, Those are kind of first order thinking. Harder to succeed unless you have a really, really strong team. So, if you can think a little bit further into the problem area and come up with a kind of creative solution, that's always at least refreshing to see. That's that's beautiful. You know, not just thinking about, hey, we created some type of marketplace
0: for it. We, you know, we, we fractionalized it. Um, yeah, these are all things that now should probably be standard. You know, DAOs have a lot of kind of basic thinking, um, but I think the green flags are coming to what a DAO can be, and and you are joining us for uh,
2: for the Buddha DAO. So, what did DAOs mean to you? What could be next for DAOs? Initially, I think DAOs, to me, were just kind of like an investment vehicle. It seemed like people were forming DAOs to buy things, right? Like you formed it to buy the Constitution, or there's the recent DAO that wants to buy a basketball team. And then I guess over time, maybe they evolved... Maybe because after you buy it, you have to do something, right? You can't just buy something. You have to form some kind of entity around the thing you bought. They're like social organizations, but with a little bit more of uh, of a buy-in. You know, if you join Soho House and you pay $2,000 to join it, it's not like, you know, you can't sell your Soho House membership to anyone else, but... If there was a DAO where you paid $2,000, you still have that token. So if you hold it, that means you still want to be a part of, you know, Soho House DAO. And so I think that lends this kind of like continual commitment to DAOs. I was introduced to Butsa Dao by my friend Jesse, who I think has been there for quite a while. My parents are Taiwanese. Um, You know, I'm Taiwanese. I've always liked connecting with taiwan a lot it's a great opportunity to connect with with people in web3 who are you know pretty authentically from taiwan yeah i'm always down to spread the culture and
1: yeah maybe our next project would be building a replica of taipei in the metaverse
2: (laughs) 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 yeah it's pretty lit
0: yeah that could be like an early case study for how we could have a dao succeed (laughs) in the metaverse
1: i do have another question i do want to ask um Taiwan has been great for, I think, crypto development because there's less barriers for people, um, like develop. There's so many developers. There's a lot of NFT artists, a lot of the greater ones, uh, that are global right now are Taiwanese. Do you know anything, I guess, like, do you have anything about Taiwan that you specifically love for the crypto or you specifically agree with for the crypto scene? I know there's a lot against like, you know, taxation or regulation here in the U S um, which I'm visiting right, right at the moment. Um, So I'm curious to hear your side of things. Like, why build in Web3 in Taiwan, potentially?
2: All of Asia has, and and Taiwan definitely has a lot to offer to Web3. I think one of the interesting things is definitely around NFTs and culture. I mean, we're kind of bringing a lot of IPs onto the blockchain now. So just the arts, I think, would be a good reason to tap into Taiwan. So maybe there could be like a film DAO or like kind of like a film grant or something of those nature of those lines uh, you know, ways to help support filmmakers. I think it would be cool.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, the art scene is so strong here and it's a perfect, really a perfect storm for Taiwan because the, the engineering side of things is so strong here and the arts is so strong and what a better case to make for, for showcasing Taiwan with those two things right now.
1: What do you think would be maybe the most helpful way for people to learn about Web3 right now would be through joining a DAO, um, reading, any, any advice you have there?
2: I think a lot of people are doing like academies and educational content. I think that's definitely good. I think DAOs are also good. If you mean like how We can get Buzidao more involved with this. Yeah, just putting out more content. I think events are good too because those are like a non-threatening way to bring your friends into the space. And basically, a lot of the kind of conversations in crypto for a while were just dominated by price action, which assets going to go up and which assets going to go down. Throughout that, there's been certain like thought leaders who have been kind of just sharing their opinions on the space. I think that's much needed, just kind of slowing it down and having thoughtful conversations about implications of things so i think people who carve out some space in that can really bring value to the space so i want to be one of those people you know i've thought about starting my own podcast as well i'm still figuring out the details for it but yeah happy to be on your guys podcast and uh something that we can all do and and help contribute our voices to thoughtful discussions in, in crypto and web3
0: nice Mike well thank you for joining us today on the IDK show where can people find more about hey he did it yay
1: got the screenshot
0: <laughs> <laughs> nailed nice um, yeah Mike where can people find more about kind of your life online where can they find more about Shima Capital
2: any Any place to connect with you Twitter is good I have a Twitter it's OX Changli Shima Capital is also on Twitter you can DM us send us a good project and we'll talk to you
1: thank you for joining us today it's great talking Thanks, and learning guys. more about uh, yeah your VC insights <laughs> all hundred of us you've got friends here you know you're talking know, I know you